No worries. I've got to tell you this little story. Um, October, uh, August, August 2002, coming out of COVID, all the lockdowns and so on. Um, I've done 31 trips to New Zealand preaching. This is my 82nd overseas trip. Um, and um, I was scheduled to go to um, New Zealand just for two Sundays. And I usually spend a fair bit of time there uh, most years. But just, just coming out of COVID, um, got, on the, got down to the airport in Coffs Harbour to get a flight to Sydney, to get a flight to Wellington in New Zealand, which is about three hours flight away. Get down there, all done, flight's cancelled. All right, so we, I had three nights of meetings, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night to preach. So <clears throat> cancelled, so I ring the pastor, sorry, can't come, we'll try again tomorrow. Um, next day, get down to the airport early, get to Sydney, the flight's delayed four hours in Sydney, which means I'm going to miss Saturday night's meeting. So I ring the pastor and said, brother, I'm not going to be there tonight. All these churches coming for meeting, uh, you know, combined meetings. And so I rang Robin. I said, Robin, I'm just going to come home. What's the point? Um, what's the point in going all the way just for one, one meeting in New Zealand? It's a, it's a long way. She says, no, um, I'm glad I've got a spiritual wife who <laughs> gives me advice when you need it. Uh, she said, no, I think you need to go. And I said, oh, Okay, so I eventually went and missed the flight that night and I got to the church on the South Island that afternoon, the next afternoon, just one meeting, little, little crowd, half, half the size of this crowd tonight. Preached, nothing happened. Uh, there was just it was a pretty flat sort of meeting. Got up to Auckland for the following Sunday, went to a church that I've often preached at in the city of Auckland. Again, 12, 15 people, church is a bit down. I preached, and I, to this day, I don't remember what I preached on, to be honest. But four people came to the Lord that, that, that uh, day. Clear-cut salvation decisions. And we were just rejoicing. This is a struggling church. The pastor is um, uh, bivocational, works a job, and pastors as well. Went back to Coffs. He rings me up after the following Sunday. Two more people come to the Lord. The following Sunday, two more people came to the Lord. Then they started having baptisms. And uh, like a little mini revival broke out. Now, I'm not saying uh, I'm anything great. Uh, you know, I'm, I just consider myself, a, you know, like Balaam's donkey. God can use a, a donkey to do his work. That's fine. But God just did something that day. Well, anyway, about six weeks ago, I get a call from this same pastor. He said, brother, he said, um, you know, we're talking a bit. He said, do you remember that meeting? Uh, this is, you know, this is he called last year. So the week, the year before, he said, do you remember that? that meeting you came over to do in um, August 2022? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, do you remember what you preached? And I said, no, I can't even remember. I could look it up, I suppose, in my notes. But um, he said there was a young lady there in that service. She was 16. She was there with her dad, and she was pregnant. And she said not even her dad knew that. She, she was the only one who knew she was pregnant, and she had all the plans to go and get rid of the baby that week. But something you said in the sermon, I mean, I wasn't preaching on, on that particular subject, but she said, something you said cut her to the heart and she said, I must keep this baby. And then, so Tim, Tim Pastor Tim rang me, this is you know, about six weeks ago, he said, you know, that lady, she's, she got saved some months after that. She came to the Lord and she's 18 now and she's got a little six-month-old baby or eight-month-old baby, whatever, and that baby and that lady were in church this morning. 
I thought you'd like to know that. Isn't it amazing how God can use us? Even there's obstacles and, and so on, and yet God can use us uh, if we're just usable. Just do what we can uh, for the Lord. For time's sake, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm just going to change... I'm going to change tack a little bit here tonight. And um, the Lord's just prompted me to go this way. Let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, please. Psalm 139. I'm going to go to two to three passages in the, in the time we have left this evening. And uh, hopefully you'll find where I'm, where I'm heading to. Psalm 139. And this will sort of tie in with those of you who were at the creation um, seminar last night, which was such a blessing. Thank you for the invite for that. Um, <clears throat> we'll tie things in here. Psalm 139. And uh, let's go to <clears throat> uh, verse 13. Psalm 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet... There was none of them. And let's ask, uh, bow for prayer, please. Thank you, Father, for the word of God, your precious word. Uh, and Lord, I pray that uh, from the verses we read this evening and the, the words we speak, that you will touch our hearts, every single person, in some way. We pray for the filling of the Spirit of God for this message. And we pray these things, believing with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. I am fearfully, statement one, number one, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Back in 2006, I, was, um, <clears throat> uh, I had a very serious bout of pneumonia and, and then I had complications from that and I just couldn't seem to get well. And so I ended up going to Sydney to get a live blood analysis. Now, I don't know if you've ever done one of those things. It's really interesting. They'll take a little, like a, a prick of your finger, get a drop of blood, and they put it on a, a, a slide and put that on a, a, some sort of microscope. And uh, this a particular fellow, he said, uh, listen, now have a look up at the computer screen here and you'll see your blood vessels. And, uh, and sure enough, up came my blood vessels. And you could see the, uh, there was red blood, cells, blood, uh, blood cells, blood vessels. The, the red cells are like um, red snooker balls. They're just perfectly round like this. And they're all over the place. And evidently the red blood cells, they take the oxygen. Um, uh, the oxygen goes to the red blood cells and they take that to the body and so on. And then there were the, the, uh, the white blood cells. Now the white blood cells, if ever you've had a look at your, uh, on a live blood analysis, they look like blobs. They're irregularly shaped. And, uh, and they are the, um, uh, they're sort of like the, the cavalry. When you, um, 
uh, you know, if you cut your hit, hit your uh, hit your thumb with a hammer, or you or you cut yourself, and the bacteria come in straight away into your bloodstream, then uh, the bone marrow uh, decides, hang on, we're being attacked here by bacteria, so we need to start cranking out some white blood cells. So the bone marrow cranks out the white blood cells, and like the um, the cavalry in those the old you know Western movies, they go running towards that bacteria, and then they swallow and eat up that bacteria. That's why if you have leukaemia, you have uh, at least some forms of leukaemia, if you don't have white blood cells, you're in a lot of trouble. And then we have things called platelets uh, that help clot the blood, and we have antibodies and so on, and it's incredible. You know, the Bible says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. You know, in the, old, in the dark ages, they used to let the blood out of people, um, thinking, well, we're going to try and make, the, uh, uh, we're actually drain the blood out, uh, to some degree, until someone thought, hang on, the people that we're draining the blood from are dying. Uh, this is not working. So uh, <laughs> someone went back to the Bible and thought, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Hmm, maybe we need to keep the blood in there. That's a good thought. Um, the life of the flesh is in the blood. The Bible says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that uh, there's a certain thing called the DNA, and they didn't get that into that, didn't have time yesterday, and that was an incredibly interesting uh, session last night down the, the hall there. Oh, I found it was anyway, very, very good. Um, <clears throat> stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. Now, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but I do find that stuff fascinating, that we all have a different DNA. And, uh, and, and we actually did, they did mention this, I think, in the, in the seminar about how long it was and so on uh, and, and how complicated it is. But <clears throat> it's an incredible thing how we are designed. Someone says we, we evolved. No, it's not, it's not going to happen. God created the world in six days, end of story. That's what the Bible says. And, and, and science, uh, that, that fits the, the evidence that fits the evidence. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God made this thing called <clears throat> DNA, uh, the, <clears throat> the code for life. Um, now, with my DNA, um, I'm missing the hair gene somewhere along the line. <laughs> oh, I've got the ball gene there. Uh, my kids reckon I have the dad joke gene. I don't know what that means, but uh, uh, I think my dad jokes are pretty good. My kids disagree. But... Um, uh, <clears throat> I, was, I have a friend in Adelaide, an acquaintance. I've had, I've had dinner at this man's house, and he's a, an orthopaedic surgeon. And Dr Anthony Pohl is a world-renowned orthopaedic surgeon uh, and um, a lovely Christian man. And I was having dinner at his place um, maybe oh, 15 years ago in, in Adelaide. He, is, he was the head of trauma at um, Royal Adelaide Hospital and he was uh, the professor of anatomy at Adelaide University. Very smart man. And uh, I, he may be retired now, I'm not quite sure. But he told me this story, <clears throat> which fits in with our first verse here. He said, uh, we've developed, his team developed a, uh, a protein... And they inject this protein, as is an orthopaedic surgeon, so hip replacements, trauma, um, uh, surgeries, knee replacements, and so on. They would inject this protein into the wound site and it would speed up the healing process. He said this particular protein consists of 43 amino acids. Now, I don't know what an amino acid is. It's a little thingo. But there's 43 of them lined up in a perfect line, which make up a protein. 
And he said, those little amino acids, just 43 of them, have to be in perfect order for this protein to work. He said, I got a mathematician friend from Adelaide University, and he said, uh, uh, I want you to work out the probability of that little simple protein forming randomly or by chance. So the, uh, the mathematics fellow did his stuff. He said, the, <clears throat> the probability that that little simple protein would form by itself is 1 in 10 to the 80th power. Now, there are 10 to the 75th power electrons in the known universe, they say. So 1 in 10 to the 80th power, that's a big number. In other words, it's impossible that that tiny little 43 amino acid protein could have formed by chance. It had to be designed. They discovered it, but it had to be designed. The human DNA is so mind-bogglingly great and huge and complex, there is not one chance in the world it could ever have happened by chance. It, it cannot happen. Someone had to design it. And that someone was the creator God. So the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. <coughs> by the way, don't ever put yourself down and wish... Wish you were something else. God made you the way you are. He did. God made you the way you are. Now here's the second verse I want us to go to. Very briefly, Revelation 4 and verse 11, please. Revelation 4 and verse 11. <clears throat> now if I'm speaking too quickly with my Aussie twang <coughs> um, and you can't understand what I'm saying, just raise a hand and I'll try and slow down a bit. But um, for Chris's sake, I'll try and speak uh, the King's English. <laughs> Revelation 4.11, I love this verse. Look at this. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Number one, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Number two, I am made, I am created for God's pleasure. That's why we're made, to please God. Simple. <coughs> Simple. We, we are created for the pleasure of God to please him. Okay, <coughs> keep those two thoughts in mind. Come to our last reading for this evening. Job, book of Job, just before Psalms and, and chapter number 39. Job and 39. Don't be afraid of the book of Job. I love the book of Job. I think it is my favourite book in the Bible. Well, along with John, and along with Peter, <laughs> and along with James. So, well, it's one of my favourite books. I love the book of Job. Don't, don't be intimidated by the book of Job. <clears throat> Here's a quick outline of the book of Job. You know the, you know the story. <clears throat> God, uh, <coughs> Satan came to God. God said, you see my servant Job? Yeah, he eschews evil. Good man, and Satan, Satan said, "Well, Lord, you you, uh, you know, let me afflict his, <coughs> let me afflict him, and we'll see if he's good." <coughs> so that's God said, "All right, you can do whatever you want, but you can't touch him." So God took away his, you know, his children, took away all that he owned. And what did Job say? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan came back and said, "Lord, all right, he he's he passed that first test, but Lord, if he was afflicted physically." Then we'll see what sort of a fellow he is. So God said, all right, have at it, but you've got to spare his life. And so he had the boils, you know, the story. 
And then so we go through the book of Job and Job's sitting in a bad way and, you know, sitting down scraping, scraping himself <coughs> in ashes. If ever you had boils, um, uh, about six months ago I had a bout of shingles and it was not real, um, it's not real pleasant. But I just imagined Job from head to toe with boils. And his three friends came along. Um, <coughs> there was uh, Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad. Remember his wife? What does his wife say? Ah, oh, Job, curse God and die. And his three mates weren't much better, really. His three so-called friends, they weren't much better. And so here's Job. And uh, back and forth, these conversations between Job and his, and his three friends and so on. And then um, Elihu, the younger man, comes along. And Elihu actually spoke, spoke a bit of sense. I think he was a good man. But the last four chapters of Job, God comes into the scene. And God says, Job, right, sit down. I'm going to teach you some stuff now. And he tells a whole stack of natural history. Um, <clears throat> gives a whole, a whole stack of... Uh, uh, words about natural history, you know, the creation and the the the, uh, the stars and the constellations, and then and then God tells a whole stack of animal stories. I mean, we won't, we haven't got time to go there, but He talks about the unicorn, which may have been the auric, the uh, European cattle. We're not quite sure. He talks about the the eagle and 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 so on. And then He brings Job to and starts talking about the ostrich. <clears throat> and I'm going to focus on these verses just for a moment here. Job 39. And uh, verse 13, this is God speaking to Job. He said, Job 39, 13, Gavest thou the goodly wings unto the peacocks, or wings and feathers unto the ostrich? Remember, God's trying to teach Job something here. So he said, Job, who gave <clears throat> wings and feathers unto the ostrich? Now, I don't know if you know anything about ostriches, in, our, in my country, we have emus, and they're all over the place. Not so much where we live. We have a lot of kangaroos, but <clears throat> a little bit further west, you can see um, uh, emus, the smaller cousins of the ostriches. They're running wild out there. And uh, Now, I don't know if you know anything about the ostrich. I'm not an <clears throat> ostrich expert, but I've <coughs> read up on the subject a little bit. And uh, normally... Wings, bird, you know, birds have wings and feathers for a reason, an obvious reason. Uh, that's for flying. Is that correct? They're there to fly. I mean, they use them for other things, for protection and for warmth and so on. But generally speaking, birds have wings and feathers to fly. But we have a bit of a problem here. The ostrich doesn't fly, cannot fly. So, uh, God, but God's, God said, Job, who gave wings and feathers to the, to the ostrich? Verse 14, which leaveth her eggs in the earth and warmeth them in the dust. Now, <coughs> most birds, um, they make a nest. Why? To protect the eggs. And we've seen eagles and we have a lot of birds in our area in Coffs Harbour, uh, uh, birds of prey and so on, and, and they build nests out of different things. Why? To protect those eggs. But the ostrich, the ostrich mother, she, she lays her eggs in the dirt. And then the Bible goes on to say, where are we, verse number 15, and forgetteth that the foot may crush them or the wild beast may break them. So along comes the elephant and squash, squash, squashes the eggs. Why? Because 
the mother doesn't have the common sense to put her eggs in a safe place. She just leaves them in the dirt. And so they either get eaten by an animal or they get squashed, made into scrambled eggs by the elephant. Now, if peradventure one of those little eggs uh, out hatches a little ostrich chick, look at verse number 15. She forgetteth that the foot may crush them or that the wild beasts may break them. Verse 16, she is hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. Her labour is in vain without fear. <coughs> now, even if, um, you know, just a small um, percentage of those eggs hatch into little ostrich <coughs> chicks, she's hardened against her young ones. Now, I've worked uh, dipping sheep for a number of years uh, back in the early 90s in uh, <coughs> the area we live, west of Sydney, uh, west, uh, town west of Sydney, and I know a little bit about sheep farming. I did a bit of work as a shed hand, you know, and I, I love working in, in, with sheep. And um, you can have a paddock full of sheep, and you can have hundreds and hundreds of sheep out there, and, and the little lambs are all bleating. And normally they try and breed, you know, uh, twins to increase the, the yield for the sheep. And, and the bleating to our, to our ears, the human ear, it all sounds the same. You know, <laughs> but every one of those ewes, E-W-E, they know exactly which one is their lamb, which ones are theirs. She knows that. The ostrich doesn't have that sense. If some of her chicks get to the stage that they get born, the mother just disowns them. She's not a very good mother. She's just not there. Now, her labour is in vain without fear. Look at verse number 17. This tells us why. Because God hath deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding. The ostrich mother, we would say in colloquial terms, is as thick as two planks. Like they just, they are just dumb animals. They don't have the common sense to, to look after their young. Why? Because God deprived them of wisdom. Now it's very interesting when you look at the ostrich. Um, an ostrich can grow up to 10 feet tall. 155 kilos in weight. They have two toes on each foot. An ostrich egg is the largest single cell in the world. Um, and the brain of one of these huge great birds is as small as a walnut and it's one of the few animals where the, the brain is smaller than their eye. <coughs> so they don't have many brains. <laughs> God, God, has, God has deprived them for his purposes of wisdom. So, so <clears throat> here we have this ostrich, and you would be, we, would, we would look at the ostrich and say, what a failure. What a failure of creation, you know? It's like the, uh, uh, yeah, well, why did God, God's telling this to Job? Job, did you, did you create the ostrich like this? Ostrich, bad mother, just, just dumb, just can't look after it, can't, can't do anything. Um, <clears throat> you know, we all like to think that we can soar like the eagle you know, above the problems of life. But if the truth be known, most of us are ostriches. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I guarantee you there's a number of people here this evening and you consider yourself an ostrich. I'm not like those really smart people. I'm not like those super talented people. No, I actually identify with the ostrich. Anyone there? I do that sometimes. I identify as an ostrich. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. For some reason, Lord, it feels as though you've deprived me of wisdom. 
And it's easy to feel like that. But I want us to wrap this up with the last verse here, verse number 18. What time she lifteth up herself on high, she scorneth the horse and his rider. What is God saying here? You know, the ostrich can hit 100 metres, can do 100 metres in five seconds flat. You think, um, what's his name? Bolt. You think Usain Bolt was fast? Not even in the league of an ostrich. An ostrich can hit 70 kilometres an hour. They can run at 50 kilometres an hour, which is what that is, 30 mile an hour, 32 mile an hour. They can run at that speed for 30 minutes. Now, I don't know about, the, uh, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but the racehorse, you know, in, in, uh, in, the, in the old Western movies, you'd have the horses racing and they'd race all day. Now, a horse can only do that for a few minutes. A horse can't gallop for hours on end. That's just in the movies. That's not how it happens. But the ostrich <clears throat> has this one thing they can do very well. They run very, very fast. They don't need to dig holes. They don't need to climb trees. They don't need to do this. and They don't need all these defence mechanisms that other animals need. Why? Because no one can catch the ostrich. When they start going, they'd move and they just keep going. And, you know, at, at six weeks of age, a baby ostrich can keep up with its mother. Figure that one out. What's, what's the application here? <clears throat> hey, the ostrich can do one thing very, very well. God says, Job, the ostrich can't fly. Uh, I, I've, I've, de I've deprived her of the ability to fly. I'll give her wings. And, they, and, and, and she looks really stupid. They look really dumb. They do. You ever looked at an ostrich? They're a dumb-looking animal. And, and they're not, not a good mother. And she's not very smart. She doesn't have many brains. <clears throat> but, Job, there's one thing she can do. She can run really... In fact, she runs so fast, she scorns the horse. The horse is not, a, not in the same league as the ostrich when it comes to pure speed and pure <clears throat> ability to keep going. <clears throat> What's the application here? We are wonderfully made, every single one of us. We're all wonderfully made by Creator God. And we are made for His glory. We are made for His glory. <clears throat> we are made for His pleasure. And I believe that God has made every single one of us so that there is something we can do to bring glory to Him. When that ostrich lifts up herself on high and takes off on the, over the, uh, uh, the, the savannas of Africa or whatever it is, that ostrich is glorifying God. That ostrich is doing exactly what God created the ostrich to do. You know, <clears throat> we need to glorify God. We need to please God by doing what God <clears throat> created us to do. So the application is very obvious here. Find what you can do to glorify God. Find what that is. Not everyone is Charles Spurgeon. In fact, there was, we were talking with Chris before, there's only one Charles Spurgeon. Not everyone is a master at this or that. But if you are a child of God, if you know Christ as your saviour, if God <clears throat> lives in you, you're a born-again child of God, there's something you can do to glorify God. There's something you can do to please God. Now, I'm not here to tell you what that is. You've got to figure that out, but make sure that your life is pleasing God. Now, if you are an eagle and you are one of these multi-talented people that seems, well, let's praise the Lord. If God's given you ten talents, use the talents for his glory. If God's given you five talents, use the five talents for his glory. 
But if you're like the ostrich and you've just got one, that's okay. That's okay. God, God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God does the creating. God gives us the talents. God gives us the gifts. Just make sure that you're not wasting your time and living your time for yourself. You say, but what can I do to... How can I, how can I serve God? What can I do? Well, you can study. <coughs> you can pray. Some of you uh, people could most probably cook and drive and teach and give and encourage and witness and, and maybe some of you can preach and teach and maybe some of you can lead and, and maybe some of you can go to the mission field and maybe some of you can <coughs> uh, work to, 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 uh, you know, to, to send people to the mission field. You've got to figure that out. I suppose it boils down to this. Is my life pleasing God? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made for his pleasure. So am I pleasing God? Robin's auntie, um, <clears throat> her, her remaining auntie, um, <clears throat> she got to 100. Uh, it was... It's 2020. She passed away last year, wasn't it? Just over a year ago. She, she, she got to 100 years of age, not miles an hour. Got to 100 years of age. And uh, when she was about <coughs> 95, she went into an aged care facility. And to her dying day, she was mentally sharp as a tack, but physically she was struggling. But when she was 95, Robin went in to see her, her husband. They were married for 72 years, her and her husband. And she was saved as a young lady, but then wasted her life, basically. And that's what she told Robin at the age of 95. She said, Robin, my husband's now gone, and I know the Lord, but I've, I've wasted my whole life living for the pleasures of this world. I've just wasted my life. And Robin said to her, Auntie, these could be the best years of your life. She said, what do you mean? Robin said, <clears throat> do you have a prayer list, a prayer book? She said, what's that? Well, a prayer journal. Because you're in your room here, what else are you going to do? <laughs> she very, you know, couldn't walk and so on. <clears throat> so Robin was able to help her and teach her how to have a prayer journal. So this could be the most productive years of your life. You could be the powerhouse for ministry here by spending you know, hours each day praying. Um, so yes, she had wasted a lot of her life, but she found something she could do. And she used to meet with, um, what's her name, Audrey. Every, every afternoon, they would meet at three o'clock in that nursing home. Uh, they would sneak away and meet somewhere and they'd have a prayer meeting. At 95 year, years of age and above. You know, <clears throat> you say, well, I, I just don't know, I don't know what I can do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a great speaker, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a bit shy. Um, <clears throat> Romans 12.1 says, Now I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If there's nothing you can think of to do, to serve God, to please God, <clears throat> you can pray that prayer, Lord. Here I am. Present your body a living sacrifice every day. In fact, we most probably all should do that every day. Say, here I am, Lord. I'll finish with this one story. It's not original. But <clears throat> there was a, uh, a church in Africa. I'm going back 
100 years or so now. And it was in a country in Africa, I don't know, not Kenya or whatever. Little church. They met in a uh, little hut with a thatched roof. And it was a good crowd there. And every year they would have um, Harvest Thanksgiving Sunday. We used to have this at my home church in Sydney. Uh, <coughs> we'd thank God for his goodness and so on. But that Harvest Thanksgiving, and this particular day it was the beginning of harvest, and people would bring stuff into the church, you know, grain and chickens and pigs and fruit and veggies and so on, put it down the front, and then they give thanks to God for the harvest. And then I imagine they gave that to the pastor or they gave it to poor people. I don't know what they did. But, you know, in, in, in Africa, and they still do this in some parts of the world today, I've seen this in New Guinea, the women, because the women do all the work, we understand that, they uh, had the baskets, they put it on their head. I don't know how they do it, but they put baskets on their head. And they walk along and, and the women would have you know, stuff on their head and they take the basket off and they put it down and so on. Everyone had finished and then right at the end this little girl came, <coughs> maybe 11, 12 years old, she came down the aisle with a basket on her head and the pastor said, now so-and-so, little girl, what are you bringing today? And she said, uh, we haven't got anything to bring so I'm just bringing myself. She put the basket down. She stood in the basket. <laughs> That's Romans 12.1. That's Romans 12.1. Just present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's, that's reasonable. That's what we need to do. And so here I am, Lord. Lord, I'm an ostrich. I can't fly with the eagles. I'm not real smart. Um, Lord, maybe you've deprived me of brains or whatever or talents. I don't have the ten. I don't have the five. I'm not sure if I've even got the one. Well, you have, you have got at least one. <clears throat> maybe someone today just needs to come and stand in the basket and say, here I am, Lord, use me in my old age, in my youth, <clears throat> in my middle years. Lord, just use me, uh, obviously to be a blessing to others, but use me please you because that's why I was made and if you're a Christian here this evening or maybe you're watching this online I'm not sure where this goes to whether it's live or whatever but if you're living your life for yourself you're missing out on what God wants for you number one he wants you to be his child he wants you to be born again and you can do that right now you can come to Christ right now come as a sinner admit your sin Believe that Jesus died for you, was buried, rose again. That's the gospel message. <clears throat> and then take God at his word. Believe on him. Trust Christ as your saviour. That's the first thing he wants for you. But if you are a believer, you know Christ as saviour. <clears throat> we just need to please him. That's, that's what all boils down to that. Is your life pleasing God? Find what you can do to please him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the message of the ostrich, Lord. And uh, Father, to be honest, sometimes I wonder, um, wonder why things are in the Bible. But Lord, you, this, is, this is inspired scripture. You put this in your word for us to learn from. And may we learn uh, from the lessons of Job. And, and dear Lord, I pray that we, we will just... Consecrate our lives to you, Lord, for, for your service, Lord, in, the, in these dark spiritual times. May we please you. Lord, may we stand in the basket each and every day and say, Lord, use us. 
Speak to hearts now, Father, whether here or whether online, whether in weeks and months to come. We love you. We, we are so thankful to be your people, Father. Uh, bless the hymn that is to follow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.